I'm Lily. I'm Lorraine. And, and we're, we're caffeinated on a train. Fun fact, dear listener, this is the second time we've tried to record <laughs> this. We recorded for like an hour and a half. And but we were recording. None actually. of it was recorded. <laughs> we were just talking to each other, <laughs> turns out. Which um, means that this episode is going to be incredibly streamlined because yeah. we've gotten all our wackiness out. Yeah, if that's possible. We're going to be so serious. <laughs> <laughs> We're drinking two different forms of mate right now. Yeah, important for you to know. Uh, <laughs> Mine is in a bottle that says Club Mate. Lily's so, It's interesting because these represent two... They're distinct to two different places. Club Mate is a really iconic drink in Berlin. Um, it's... I thought it was heavily caffeinated, but we decided it's actually just heavily sweetened. Yes. <laughs> um... But it's a really common drink. People are, are, are consuming all all around the city. You can get it everywhere. And then uh, I'm drinking mate, like the tea, which is from Argentina and Uruguay and uh, Paraguay. And um, it's a completely different thing. It's, it's served out of a hollowed-out gourd. You drink it with a metal straw that has a bunch of holes in the bottom. I feel like I could drink a club mate with a metal straw. If you wanted to. Not that one. It wouldn't fit. Yeah, you, yeah. But I could get one of those, like, hipster environmentally you know, friendly that's, that's a really interesting, like, adaptation of mate. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So, um, we're, we're trying to stay caffeinated, but we're getting, for whatever reason, we both just decided to be a bit creative with our caffeine intake. No longer, we're moved beyond ca- coffee. Variety is the spice of life. That's right. That's why we're doing this. So, now that we've gotten the that drink out of the section. Way. Yeah. Um, what really? have we been up to? It's been, it's been six weeks since we've recorded, believe it or not. Well, now it's been like 20 minutes. That's true. It's been That's six weeks enough. since we recorded something that you've heard. And perhaps two weeks since the last thing was posted because Lorraine did not edit it while she was traveling. Fair enough. Fair news. You know, these things happen. They do happen. Who's keeping track? You know what I mean? Me. <laughs> Me. Apparently, we're not even keeping very good track because we didn't even know that we weren't recording for an hour. <laughs> so. no, clearly not. <laughs> that, also, was clear, that, that would be called an oversight on our part. <laughs> yes, I think, I think that's fair enough. Also, do you remember when we met up and I apologized for having not edited it and you said you hadn't noticed? Yeah, <laughs> true. That's, that's the culture around this podcast, you know? <laughs> yes. I didn't even notice. Who, there wasn't a new episode. Who knew? I didn't even realize. Um, yeah. So, um, it's been, we've had six weeks to cover. We're actually going to segment a lot of what we've been up to in the last six weeks into their own episodes because there's really so much. But we both have news to share with you um, regards not so much to the past but to the future. My news is that I have um, officially changed programs from the English studies to um, North American studies, which is um, offered by the John F. Kennedy Institute, which is a five-minute walk away from, but but it has a different name. It's a different institute. It's a world so, apart. Yeah. So um, that's my news. I it means that all my term papers are canceled. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's one thing to up note with this transition. But more than that. Um, I just miss um, studying in the social sciences and I miss having more like topically, I don't, it's difficult to articulate this because I don't want to say, because cultural studies and like literature studies can be political. So I don't want to say 
that, but maybe more that in my way of being political or the way that makes sense to me or draws upon my own passions and um, existing academic background, I feel like moving into this new program is more suitable for those ends and also in terms of myself and um, I, I kind of have felt like I'm ebbing towards going back to the U.S. because I feel like I have the most to offer to society in the U.S. So this is kind of, I think, which is interesting because I think it actually involves a lot of different factors from a lot of different kind of strands of my life up until now um, that I'm doing this because actually, um, fun little side note, I didn't get accepted to study at the University of Edinburgh in the like some, I don't even remember what the program was now. It was like some sort of literature critical theory program at the University of Edinburgh. I didn't get in. And I didn't get in. I, I found out because I didn't have enough background in literature. Um, I didn't have enough coursework to like qualify for this very competitive program. Um, so I went to the FU and it ended up being for the best because I'm changing programs anyway. So if I had studied that and then spent like 10, 10 to 20K on this this program and pounds, so it's even more on this program. Yeah, another sound effect. <laughs> um, then, like, first of all, I, that was good. That was for the best because I think this was this last year was a lot about finding myself and, and learning about being back in school after being out of school. Um, but also, I there was a moment, there was a brief time when I was trying to sort out my options and what I was going to do, where I was pretty sure I was going to go back to the U.S. Actually, that my next step was to leave Europe and after I didn't get accepted to this program and that I was going to then go back to the U.S. and study in the U.S. because of this feeling that I have had growing in me that that's kind of where I feel I see myself contributing the most or having the most kind of literacy to be able to get involved in the issues that I care about um, both th through my academic work but also outside of my academic work. So I feel like this is an interesting kind of um, lead into potentially doing that eventually. Um, and also, I'm particularly interested in the dynamics between the United States and other countries, particularly Latin America, and um, I'm definitely going to be really pushing for more engagement with or involvement of Mexico within the North American Studies program. And um, yeah, so there's a lot of new things on the horizon. I think it's going to be a good new chapter, um, but I'm really grateful for my last year. Couldn't be more grateful, honestly. What a what a year it had been. What an era it has been. It's been quite the era. Quite the era. We'll miss you, Lily. You'll miss me, but... You'll actually be closer to, to me, because I'll be, be at Cornfeld. And what will you be doing at Cornfeld, Lorraine? At Cornfeld, I will be not taking any courses this semester. What? what? Because I have finished all of the classroom sitting... Part of my degree. Whatever do you mean, Lorraine? I only have, from here on out, term papers and a master's thesis to write. What? what? <laughs> Air horns. Yeah, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Coming in. Yeah. Editing Lily. Can you yeah. add the air horns here? Um, I took slightly more coursework each of these past semesters than... No, actually, this last one I took quite a bit yeah, more. Yeah, what do you mean by slightly, Lorraine? What is slight to Lorraine when it comes to coursework? In the first semester, I took only half a module extra. But in the second semester, I took 
one and a half modules extra. Whoa. I believe. Something like that. And she worked 40 hours a week. Yeah. A lot, a lot of that time. That was, that was quite the... And then you would just whisk yourself off to different countries. Yeah. Just the life and times of learning. Life and times of learning. Uh, tune in to our next episode to, to hear all about... What she was doing gallivanting. Gallivanting around. All across the continent. All across the continent. Truly, though. Yeah. Truly. All the way to the west. Pretty far into the center. Yeah. Moderately well. It was quite far to the east. Yeah. It was like the furthest east part of Western Europe. That's right. That's exactly what it was. Yes. Um, more to f- find out more later. Yeah. This is a teaser. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the important thing is that I have now made a decision about what I'm going to write my master's thesis on. You did? I did. Um... I had been unsure for quite a while because it's, I realized sort of partway through last semester that in fact I was going to have finished all my coursework because that wasn't actually clear to me going in for reasons that are, are not clear to me. I'm not clear on why I wasn't clear on that. I think you just really wanted to take a lot of different classes. Yeah. I think that's why you did what you did. You just wanted to take a lot of things. Like Absolutely. I feel like you were excited I, Which is cool, because it's cool that that was, like, your your motivation. That's why I wanted to point that out, not just, like, that you just wanted to get all this stuff done. So yeah. You, you know yeah. what I mean? I've been, in, genuinely like, I've been in no rush to finish this program. I am in no rush to finish. Trust me, no one's rushing you either. No, certainly not. <laughs> that's for certain. That's, that's going to be a topic of conversation in the next segment. This is true. Um, but the fact that I could move at my own pace means that I moved it kind of a brisk pace, because that's a Lorraine pace. Manic, one might say. They might say that. Crashing through walls and (laughs) breaking down. I'm like like the Kool-Aid man. Yeah, you are. (laughs) You really are. You really, really are. That's such a good description of, yeah. Truly, truly. (laughs) Is that an Enneagram 5 thing? Or what is where does that come from? I think it's a Capricorn thing. Yeah. I think it's a Capricorn. I'm like a goat. You are very... I'm a goat that just like crashes through your wall. Yeah. In the middle of the night. Yeah. Why is it a goat? Thesis. The Capricorn. Capricorn goat. I'm still thinking about the goat head that's potentially <laughs> in my wall. That's for the Patreon. You find out what I'm talking about if you sign up for our Patreon. Yes. Yeah. So. And you find out what amp you go to to deal with that goat head. Yeah, in the Patreon. In the Patreon. Yeah. This is a top level. Thing this is as well. yeah. This is when you're you're one of those people that like is presumably giving us like a thousand euros a month. <laughs> yeah. Some people really have the audacity to have that option on their thing. I would assume so. Yeah. You're fu- you're 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 bankrolling my and Lorraine's wild lifestyles. <laughs> right. Yeah. So anyway. So about this thesis, um, it occurred to me partway through this last semester that I was going to have to start thinking about writing a thesis. And for quite a while, I've been sort of unsure um, because I have a lot of projects that I'm interested in, um, especially my my Victorian porn project, where I already have, have done a lot of research and thus it would make sense for that to be a master's thesis because I've already done a lot of work. But on the other hand, with the Victorian porn project specifically, I didn't feel like a lot of value would be added by having Mm. it be my master's thesis. Because as we all know, I am the world's foremost living expert on Victorian porn. Living expert. The other foremost expert is dead. 
he died last year. It was meant to be. <laughs> um, so no, I didn't. No comment there. No comment. That's not. Probably <laughs> natural, you know? I wasn't involved. That's what we were all wondering. I, That's what we were all wondering. I swear, officer, I have a rock solid alibi. alibi. <laughs> Lorraine, <laughs> this is such a scenario. Like you're 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 denying potentially killing the first uh, the this the top most expert in Victorian porn. This is such a Lorraine autobiographical <laughs> detail. <laughs> there are suspicions raised. <laughs> anyway, he was very old. He wrote the book in like the sixties. It's practically the Victorian era. I wish. Really. He's a very bad yeah. scholar. Was he? He was. So he he had been a very bad scholar. Yeah, yeah. Very naughty indeed. <laughs> Anyways, this is gonna be a different episode. There's another episode <laughs> where the rain reviews the one monograph on yeah. Victorian porn. <laughs> Bonus episode. Yeah. Anyway, what I'm trying to say yeah. <laughs> is that I I have not felt confident in what my topic was going to be, which is a little unusual for me because I often feel very strongly about my research interests mm-hmm. and I'm like pretty clear on them kind of yeah. from the outset. Yeah. So, you know, going with the flow on this and right after I got back from my traveling, I was at work and I was in the basement at work filing. Of course. I was in the basement at work in this creepy basement with Always not very good lighting. Probably very little ventilation. Very little ventilation. The doors were locked. The windows were barred. There were no windows. <laughs> Even better. I was filing 300 student files. As which, one does. As one does, which gives you time to think. And somewhere between the 200th and the 250th file, I decided that there was absolutely nothing I wanted to do my master's thesis on except Victorian Anglo-Jewish writing. It's cosmic. It was meant to be. It really was. It was like oh, why did I ever even consider doing anything else? This is obviously... How did you get there, though, That's... for us? You know, like, was it just, like, an epiphany? or what? It was there... joyfully an epiphany. Whoa. And was... You don't use that name. I don't. Lightly. You don't, you do, not even lightly, you just don't use that name. I try to avoid it. I try to avoid it. It, so. was, it was a Dubliner's level epiphany. Without Whoa. even any stagnation. Whoa. Yeah. Very little stagnation. Yeah. Although it was in a basement filing student Scale files. Scale of the Kafkaesque, perhaps. It was a time. Anyway. Yeah. Just... Um, I've, always, I've always known it was going to be something Victorian. And I, I wanted to do something that's not super, super mainline. Um, and I have had some background. I've known a lot of scholars who have backgrounds in... Jewish literature and Jewish writing, often contemporary. Mm. Um, mm, yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, we're in Berlin. It's true. A, it's a booming scholarly field. And I feel it's not random that you chose Berlin. I think that you were already interested in aspects of Berlin's culture and history before you came here. It wasn't just like you closed your eyes and <laughs> stuck my finger yeah, on Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But it's, I, I think it was also the right balance for me. I don't think I could do 
my master's thesis on post-Holocaust literature. I just don't think I could no, handle it. No, 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 no. So that's a really good balance. And the other thing that I wanted to point out and sort of what I was suggesting by what I said about being here in Berlin is that it's so, it's so cool when you have these kind of epiphanies and then you just realize that it... It's like, why didn't I think of this before? Because it just it connects so many dots. That's kind of how I feel about the JFKI, you know? Like, what I was trying to say, I think, is this. Like, it just, it feels so good when you arrive at this decision and it's just so clearly kind of, like, it's so clearly the right answer. Yes, exactly. Because it just connects so many things that you care about and that you're interested in, so. Yeah. And since then, I've been taking a page out of Lily's book and doing my research before I start writing. That doesn't mean that you're not going to write that 10-day thesis. <laughs> yeah. In, in our previous episode... This is a pretty good joke. Record, <laughs> we were brand. planning my, um, my Patreon perk, where I, I give you a course on how to write a thesis in 10 days. <laughs> Which is actually... A ter- I was laughing because to me that's terrifying. <laughs> that's absolutely terrifying. As it, what it would probably be mostly like is like Lorraine... Heading in, standing in the front of a class, and you're holding. We didn't say this before. You're holding a ride and drop. People are trapped. They're they're trapped in this <laughs> this you, classroom. The windows are barred. The doors are locked. <laughs> you're writing your damn thesis in ten days, or else maximum. There's hey. torture involved, if not. Yeah, and you know, the sooner you write it, the sooner you can leave. <laughs> so there's. Really but you have to do it in ten days. It's after ten days. You know, who knows what's going to happen? We don't even want to say and. The whole thing is being live streamed. Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> this is going to be one of our Patreon perks. One of our Patreon perks. You can pay for that. For uh, 500 euros a month, get free enrollment in Lorraine's <laughs> Write Your Thesis in 10 Days. The 10 Day Master's Thesis. <laughs> the, part of our plan here was also that we were going to do a, a Patreon perk where we try each other's so writing, writing styles. styles. Which, Which I, also, to me, is, that's, that is how this even started, because that sounds terrifying. I think me. that sounds... I, it would have to be a very small project. It would be a very small project. A very yeah. small project. But, like, if we tried writing like each other for a day, I think yeah. that would be really for fun. A day. For, yeah, a day. for a day. For a day. For a day. I had to drink, like, six shots of coffee. Yeah. Like, probably... But if, if I did that, I would start crying or something. Where Lorraine would be, like, into this, like, stressy kind of intensity i just be like under the desk crying at that point that would be part of the experience obviously it's all being live camped exactly exactly (laughs) that goes without saying yeah i mean otherwise it wouldn't be a patreon (laughs) we We would just tell you that we did not pay us now pay up (laughs) you owe us 500 euros (laughs) a month (laughs) so so yeah sign up for that patreon guys all kinds of great prizes waiting for you (laughs) Gatekeeping, great prizes. <laughs> Gotta set up that Patreon. <laughs> yeah, once once we set up the air horns, I think we're ready for the Patreon. So, an episode or two, you're gonna be bankrolling our our lifestyle. You are, you are, you dear are indeed. <laughs> Fourteen listeners. Yeah, all of our sugar daddies and mommies and gender unspecific. Parents. Yeah, all y- all y'all, all y'all. Uh, yeah, so, um, what were, what were, uh, <laughs> Patreon, no, thesis, <laughs> thesis, well, I wanted to say the other cool thing about this that I liked, um, that I, that I liked about your thesis, so that's important, it's important that I, that we like each other's thesis, like, of course, it is important, really, it is, it actually is important, I value your opinion if you weren't, like, I, I don't like it, I'd be like, back to the drawing board, 
Yeah. Um, does that make you my thesis dom? Yes. A little bit. We're each other's thesis doms. Yeah. It's a thesis switching relationship. Yeah, yeah I like that. It's good to know. It's, yeah. <laughs> I got to be clear on that. <laughs> um, but I like, I think that they, the nice thing about this is not only does it connect these different strands from your life and your interests, um, but it also, I think, hits a sweet spot between, well, tell us about your day store and chill, first of all. Well, that's an, that's an important process, part of the process. Yeah. Um, after I, I had my epiphany in the basement at the Hurdy School of Governments. Did you race home? No, I had to work for like seven more hours. <laughs> Naturally. <laughs> um, but when I came home that night, I, I got on, I was actually FU Primo and chill. Right. With like a VPN. Yeah, the FU VPN. That's an advanced kind yeah. of chill. It's an advanced kind of chill. So I... I Played around, I looked for some articles on the subject, I found some really good substantive research that's been done, but what I determined was that this is a a field that has enough research that it won't be overly challenging in the sense of not having stuff to go on, but there's also a small enough body of research that it's not going to be so overwhelming that I feel I can't say anything new. Yes. So it's Which it's so important and it can be very challenging honestly to find. Yeah. My my tendency previously has always been to go with things that don't have research on them. True. Like Victorian porn or Madison Kawine. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. That was this the goal. That was yeah. 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 And in fact, very intentional because I have traditionally not been very into doing secondary research. I like sitting down with a text and reading it and making up a manifesto. <laughs> I'm making up a manifesto. Um, and for the personal development aspect of this writing of a thesis, I thought that I should do something that requires me to do actual. That's research. so thoughtful. Like, again, and, and also the idea of wanting to use your professor as a valid, like, value, you know, take advantage of the fact that you're working with this person. Exactly. And not just trying to, like, squeeze by to, like, you know what I mean? To, yeah. As a matter of fact, I feel that this may be a very good transition into the body of this episode, in which we divulge our secret to academic enthusiasm and success at the FU. And dedication and engagement and all these words, because people tell us quite often, or they don't tell us, they ask us. They ask us. They, They want us to tell them, really. What is our secret? What is what is it that we are doing? What is it that we know that others don't? What are what are we what are we taking? What's in our water? What how are, are we so motivated? How are, how do we yeah? How do we care so much? And how do we actualize our caring in 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 constructive ways? How do we get from point A to point B? And it's just are we gonna do we wanna build this up first? Let's do some build up. Let's do some build up. Um, how did we start this build up before? Before we talked about why this is a challenge. Ah, right, 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 right. And so, we, we spent a long time on it before. We can make longer sure. than we needed to. Yeah. Well, so, so first of all, what we've encountered um, amongst our peers is that it, it, this is a distinct challenge. And often it's framed as a, a challenge that, like, I used to be like you are now. And by you, it means us. Mm-hmm. Somehow we're packaged now. We're, we're our own multimedia media conglomerate. Really. You can't you can't have one without the other. You can't have one without the other. It's really, 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 really. There's a yeah, that's there's alliteration involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um 
So people often frame this in the sense of them being like, well, I used to be like this and now I'm not. How do you stay, how do you stay so motivated? I can't find the motivation. How do you stay interested, etc., etc. We get these questions a lot and I want to premise, therefore, to build up in terms of kind of, and we, this is a theme that we discuss a lot in our podcast, but like sort of the differences between um, this program and other programs that are out there. And we kind of summarize it in two distinct ways. One of them being that this program is in the German system as opposed to we both come from the North American system, as you probably know. Unless you're starting this episode on, you're starting to listen to us on episode seven. <laughs> uh, which I assume some of you are. Hey, Hello, welcome. Are. Yeah. I Hi. hope you're yeah, enjoying yourself. Hey, <laughs> glad you're still here. Um, so that's the first major, major thing. And we kind of summarize this part then in terms of how there was a lot, there's a lot more, how did you say it? You said it really well, like the kind of structuring or orientation, like the external. There's a, we are in, in the North American system, we are acted on by many outside forces. Right. Um, and we, we use the metaphor of inertia in, in the North American system. It's hard to develop inertia because there are all of these external forces moving you towards sitting down in a room to write an exam or having distinct deadlines yes. or else you fail the class. And if you fail the class, it's going to put you out a lot of money. Yes. Right. All of those things. And there's kind of on campus culture mm-hmm. and you're, since, since you are paying for it, there's a lot more kind of services that are being marketed to you and in ways that are, are more um, clear and, and more kind of, heavily relevant and pres- present in your experience of going moving through school and you're moving through school typically towards like a fairly clear end goal mm-hmm. and I think it's people are doing this because it's such a major financial investment you're, you're going here for like clear reasons and, and the reasons vary between programs for sure and like mm-hmm. between disciplines but and between people as well yeah but but you're there for a reason and it's you're not just so that's the summary we're giving of the North American system. Some, I mean, on the other hand, you have the German system, which is there. There are no external. Um, what's the word we want to use? No external forces. Not one. There's no external forces. There's no real deadlines. There's n- grades even are barely, and there's not a strong campus culture. And there are resources, which is an important thing we both want to emphasize here. There definitely are resources, but they're not presented to you so much. And it's, it has only just occurred to me in this moment that there may also be a language barrier. Perhaps these resources are being presented somewhere Perhaps in Perhaps there is a campus culture that we are just not really... <laughs> but in, in the English department. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. In the English department... Um, these are all things that play. There, there, there really just are no external forces. It requires it requires you to take a lot more initiative to seek and, and to take to seek out these resources. I think this brings us back to something we've discussed in a previous episode as well, which is to be very clear about what you're doing here, but in a different way than you are, I think, in the North American system, where there's, you're not you don't have a heavily financial investment. There's I mean investment. There's not like a distinct I think and that's a defining feature of the North American system often it's like how long is your program is it a two-year program is it a one-year program you're really trying to finish it in that time it's not necessarily like that you have to but it's more abnormal not to Mm -hmm. and in these programs it's more abnormal to finish them within the recommended sort of structured time they lay out for you um so it takes a lot of you being clear about why you're there 
but I think in a different way than it is in the, in the North American system because there isn't money involved. And you have to maintain, therefore, your own sense of motivation outside of there being any kind of uh, external motivation to finish at any given t- point in time. And that, that reason can be very different for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think that's also an important thing. I think for both of us, we are clear that we, and we feed off of each other. I think this is also something that we haven't really discussed much, but we really feed off of each other. I think having you is like a central aspect of my direction and my development for sure. Easily. Oh, of course. That's delightful. You, I'm always like bouncing things off of you and like throwing you a sentence and being like, what would you change? You know, and just like, and big in little ways. I think that that's really central. But I think um, that's because we share this kind of goal, which is I think that we both want careers in acad- academia and we're using this as a step in that ultimate goal. But that doesn't have to be your goal, of course, but I think it's important and it can be easy to get lost. It's easier to get lost in what your goal is mm-hmm. when... There's no distinct time limit. There's not a financial constraint. And you're just here. And there's not really anyone around. There's no deadlines. There's no instructions. There's not really anyone around to tell you what to do. Mm. In the North American system, doing well in your class can be a goal. Yeah. It, it, that's a functional goal, to like get an A. Yeah. In the German system, that goal means nothing. It's not a, it doesn't really matter. Because it's, there's... You're, <laughs> I didn't even really understand how grades worked until like towards the end of the semester, or like when I was even being graded on. Exactly. Yeah, because that's not important. Yeah, it's not, yeah. We could essentially be being graded pass fail. Also, yeah, it wouldn't really. even matter if we failed because it's not like we paid any money for yeah, it. Yeah, there's no there's no like getting barred out of the university because of things like passing or failing a class. Exactly. I think you have to like be there for eight years before they kick yeah. you out. In the same program. Or maybe it's eight semesters for a master's program. And you have to be anyone. there for a long time not doing anything before... Anyone comes after you. And exactly. like, I don't even really know what, what that would look like. Laughing comes after you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I imagine him like falling about like a really poorly constructed paper airplane with like a notice on it and it just like falling on the ground. Right. And I'll give her another two semesters. Exactly. <clears throat> um, was, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. No, I lost it. No worries. Um, so those are kind of the buildup of this kind of struggle. We still haven't really revealed to you what our secret is. Yes. Do you think it's time? Yeah. Lily, yeah, would you like to it. tell them our secret? Uh, yeah. I'll tell you your secret since you're still listening. Uh, your secret. I'll tell you your secret <laughs> since you're <Ooh>. still listening. <laughs> Sinister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're blackmailing everyone. We would. We would. That would be on brand. It's we're, you're playing with fire. Getting you're you're seven episodes deep. You're playing with fire. <laughs> it's only gonna get fierier. <laughs> Next, you know, you're paying us a thousand a month to take part in Lorraine's ten day master's thesis course. Hey, being able to write a master's thesis in ten days—that's worth a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's some that's my tears. And that's basically like what people in North America pay, right? Yeah, essentially. Yeah, pay, pay us instead. Yeah. Yeah. Me. Pay instead. I'm the one doing this for you. I'm you getting the live cam. Yeah. <laughs> I'm operating the live cam. On brand. Live camming is, is on brand. Live camming my... is really on brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for my thesis writing program. Yeah. At least it's like a CCTV closed caption device. Yeah. Except we're sharing it with the patron. Wait, who is... I'm confused. So... <laughs> Some people are paying a thousand to be in the, the class, mm-hmm. and other people are paying. 
thousand euros a month, you can watch and you don't have to take part. Brilliant. What will we monetize next? Wait, there should also be the rule that like only one person can actually can win. Like only one. <laughs> it's like the Hunger Games. Yeah. No, no. I think the goal is that everyone has written their thesis in the 10 days. So maybe it's like everyone has to like help the other people get through, but people haven't slept in seven days. Like. Right. Right. <laughs> anyway, everyone's trapped. We were about to tell them our secret, Lily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and the secret is that there is no secret. There's no secret really there's no i think people want that's the thing is people are always asking us like we have something that they don't have mm-hmm. and there's something that we know that they don't know or that they can't know and there's there's some sort of magic potion that we are there's just not it's coffee it's just coffee like you can just get your own coffee yeah and and that's i think an important thing that we wanted to talk about is that there's no because i think this can delay this can play into this issue with inertia mm-hmm that you're waiting somehow, you're waiting for some kind of like burst of information or that magic set of instructions from your professor. Um, yeah. <laughs> your professor's not going to send you instructions. You know, there's not going to be some sort of magical revelation. You're not going to be struck by some vision that's mm-hmm. going to write your paper for you. Exactly. There's no... And so we want to... We recognize that that's probably disappointing for a lot of people, that there isn't something that... that there's no excuse. Like, there's nothing that keeps that, that we have that other people don't have that's keeping us, keeping them from starting and us from being what we are. Exactly. And we can tell our tips and tricks. Yeah. And, and, and I think we want to also, we want to address something um, in this vein about what are actually, like, hurdles to the inertia and, like, how do you deal? And we realize a lot of it comes down to just different feelings, different unpleasant feelings. And I, I don't feel like this is discussed enough, but, like, for me, there's an anxiety of getting started. There's, there's like the um, fear or discomfort, even not even the fear of it happening, but the discomfort while it's happening, which is being overwhelmed, having an idea, and then the fear of like not being able to see it through or like not being successful and seeing it through as well as I had hoped. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of these different uncomfortable and kind of scary feelings that I think can we many times we're not really clear about those. I think many people are not clear about these feelings and then they just kind of pile up and then you, you just procrastinate and we don't really talk about like what is procrastination. And I think a lot of it for me, at least it comes down to those feelings. And I know for Lorraine, there's something distinct too. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I'm, I often say I'm a huge procrastinator. I have a real problem with procrastination, which I think people are surprised about. Even I'm surprised it's, at this point. Yeah. Like, and it's, but it's true. I would not do anything if I didn't have, structures in place that are very tailored to me yeah you're really good you really know yourself I think yeah this, this. and this is why I'm, I'm always happy to tell people what I do to try to to move forward but there are no secrets you're happy to share exactly but what works for me is not going to be what works for everyone else and I think it's cool to see what what other people do and to you know maybe incorporate those like I can I can tell you that getting out of the house works well for me yes or having outside accountability and you telling me that the getting out of the house thing um, has been. 
for me, it's been a thing that I've then been like, hmm, maybe I should try that. And, and, try, and so I think a lot of this stuff too is that you, it's it can take it can also require you to try something different, and that can that can be surprisingly difficult. Again, with the inertia thing, exactly to try a new technique or, or do something that's like maybe a bit uncomfortable or all these things. And yeah, and, and there really are practical steps in place mm-hmm. that you can employ, and they take trial and error. Yeah. For me, um, a huge cause of procrastination, I would say the main cause for me is the fear that I'm going to be bored. Mm. I'm, I'm terrified that I'm going to get halfway into this really cool project and then all of the little like minutia of it are just going to kill my joy in the idea, which is why I, I'm, it's so important to me that I have projects that I'm really excited about. That is, I think that's an, even because, I think even because um, when people come from these programs or these backgrounds that are very much like externally um, motivated where you're being assigned something, Mm because I think that's actually another big one we haven't addressed here is like, you're being assigned, and I think that's why people maybe are like waiting for instructions because they're waiting to be told to write about this. Exactly. And I think it can be initially scary or not even, also just like, difficult to approach like um when there is no assigned topic but then the key is make is taking that and like really running with it because it's also amazing yeah and the key is really like getting in touch with yourself and what you're interested in and going from there and 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 doing and and like the, the idea that you can write about whatever you want and and I think that also kind of brings up the other thing that there are resources because I think the, that there are resources at our disposal when you're aware of what you are trying to get out of the program. And I think like for us, um, we've talked about this before that like, I think both of us kind of see this master's program as like a free, oper- it's free as in like, you're not paying anything for it. Free. Mm-hmm. Um, like a set of time that you are able to research whatever you want, have a library full of resources to do so, um, a campus, professors, um, like tons of discounted and and ta- like things tailored for students to help facilitate the process of spending the time to just take whatever you're interested in and run with it. Yeah. And I think that that's something that can get lost in, in the midst of kind of trying to search for things that feel familiar in terms of these other programs, whether that's being told what to do, um, having grades or assessments or whatever it is. I think that you lose the, the joy of the freedom to just take whatever you want and and go with it and actually just be interested in for the sake of learning. And the great irony is no one wants to be told what to do. No yeah. one no one would be like, God, I wish they'd just assign a research question. I wish I was just told what the thesis statement for my paper is going to be. No one no one liked it when Ruth yeah, made us write so about true. the Dubliners. So true. So 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 true. And yet so when, when I talk to people about this, I feel like I'm stating something so obvious that you can, you can do whatever you want. Well, what should I write my paper on? Whatever you want. Anything. Yeah. The professor's not going to stop you. He's not even going to realize until like halfway through. He, he literally cannot stop you. He can't stop you. We can't be stopped. No. I think the, the clearest example of this for me was my paper for Australia for the Writing Australia course that we've talked about, and I have talked about the paper on the podcast before. Yes. Um, where I think this attitude was really prevalent in this class that, like, we're not getting Definitely. good guidance. We're not... It was, it was I think, a disappointing class for a lot of people. And, like, fair, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the actual sitting in the classroom... I feel that disappointment. Yes, I understand. It's fair that people felt that way. Yeah. But I think the difference is that you can let that be an excuse to 
then not take advantage of the freedom you have to write about something of interest to you. Yes. And you don't have to write about something that was talked about in class. No. For, the, for that paper, I am writing a proposal for a museum exhibit, which has nothing to do with what we yeah. did in class, except that it's about Australia, kind and of. And it takes a... Yeah, kind of. And, take, and it, there's, there's like your using your creativity to get to that point. Exactly. And I think in some way, for some reason, like this program, while it's so ideal for like creative thinking in this in the academic context, somehow also I think has been a roadblock for people mm. I think in the people, same realm. I think it's hard to believe that we have this much freedom. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's hard to know what to do with it. People are worried that they'll come up with an idea and it'll be too off the wall. Yeah. And that the professor won't allow it and then you will have written this paper and gotten a failing grade. Well, A... Or you just would have gone too far in and yeah. lost yourself or something. A, you're not going to get a failing grade. Like, I... I you, turn in, you actually turn in a paper in this program. You're not going to get a failing grade for that. Wow! That, that in itself, I think, is actually like quite a triumph in this program. True, is that you yes. completed a paper and yeah. turned it in. <laughs> and also, even if, for whatever reason, your professor doesn't like what you did, which they will, because this isn't an issue... You've still created a product, and that's what, for so those of us who have true. some kind of academic or writing-related yes. ambitions, having written a paper is a good thing in and of itself. So true, and I think that also touches on other things we've discussed about how you can use this, and again, this in a way that I think that we're aware of what we're doing um, and how it fits into these broader goals, because... Um, we're using the work that we're doing here and we're using then this program as an opportunity to have the time to develop these other products that we need to mm-hmm. um, towards other goals that we have, like using your paper to go to a conference or to get published or whatever else. You or know? To, to learn a new methodology or so learn true. about a new Maybe field. Learn, yeah, learn something that helps you, um, helps inspire your thesis exactly. or whatever else it is that you want to do after this. And so I think that these things, and honestly, like just... I think overcoming like this, this, these issues of inertia, I think are the the key to, I think, um, it can be intimidating to sit down with, with very little instructions, except that you need to write a 7,500 word paper and know where to start. And that can be justifiably like overwhelming. And, but I think the only antidote is just to start writing. Honestly, it's just to start and not worry so much about the final product. And this, I think maybe where, my kind of style of writing comes in of writing papers is that I I personally just take a long time because it's so much revision work for me and I I start writing and this helps me to um, get over the fear of writing and maybe doing a bad job is that I'm not writing right now to do a good job per se I'm just writing to express myself first and then I'll come back to it and I know that I have the reassurance that I can come back to it I can keep going over it and there, there's space for me to do that there's time for me to do that mm-hmm. in this program you have infinite tons of time too almost too much you might say um if you're not careful but I think I think that these kind of things are um I don't know where I was going well I wanted to say for one practical this is a little bit disjointed but one practical way also that I've been able to get over that like hump of getting started is something that you suggested to me which is to if you need to pretend that you are in your North American program and do an essay writing test like exercise where you go somewhere go to the library go to um 
go to a cafe that you like, find places where you work best and feel comfortable and productive. Mm-hmm. Not too comfortable. Don't don't stay home in your pajamas. I've also been guilty. Don't be like writing this in bed. <laughs> <laughs> don't work. Find somewhere where you feel like you're writing an essay exam mm-hmm. in this case. Yes, and then just sit down. Um, you can, because it's, you're the one guiding this, you take as much time as you want. Maybe it's two hours or maybe you want to be like really power through and do like 40 minutes, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And just write down what it is that just comes to mind and just let it flow. And then I think you'll be surprised when you have this kind of, because I tend to have these like really blobby pieces, but I work on them over time and I chose away at them. And you, you'd be surprised like how much you can actually get out of doing that when you're not worried about whether or not you sound academic enough whether or not you're like putting in all your parenthetical citations right away and all your footnotes but you're just saying what you would say if I were talking to someone Mm -hmm. or um or saying what you would say if you knew you only had 45 minutes to answer this essay question and you got to get something out there you got to say something yeah and, and you have to structure it in some way and then you just go from there and I think I really think it is just a matter of it's so easy and I think my opinion this whole thing of that there being no deadlines and then people waiting a semester or more to start a paper. To be honest, and we've talked about this before amongst ourselves, but like to be honest, like are you gonna start the paper if, if you haven't started after like six months after the class ended if you haven't started? And is it going to be worth more fun that way? Yeah. Like are, are you actually going to enjoy it more six months later? I wouldn't. No, then talk about where's the inertia then? Honestly, yeah, like really? you're it's not gonna be fresh in your mind. And so these things like um, definitely are important to consider and recognizing that you have to be in the driver's seat mm-hmm. and be connected with why you're doing what you're doing and try to make the most of the kind of freedom of it rather than feel intimidated or somehow like a lack of responsibility mm-hmm. for the freedom because mm-hmm. you're waiting for someone else to tell you what to do. Now, of if course, all else fails, yeah. of course, you can always simulate your um, North American style rigor by having someone tell you what to do. Uh, I am going to. Are you finally coming out? No. <laughs> um, I think that having accountability yes. from some kind of outside source is a very useful way of, of simulating that rigor for me um, because I have this problem with procrastination and it's very good for me to avoid this, this fear of boredom to squish my work down into small little blocks. Um, and so if I, if I tell the whole world on the podcast, you know, I'm going to have this modernism paper done by this weekend, by golly, I'm going to have this modernism better, paper done. Do I'm going to look like an idiot on the podcast. Yeah, all the listeners are going to know. They're going to stop listening. Yeah. Maybe that's what happened. <laughs> yeah, I dropped off. <laughs> um, so the person who's creating rigor for you doesn't need to be your professor. No. There's, there's a whole world out there. There's a whole world. All of, sorts of people can take that. All sorts <laughs> of people, you know. People yeah. with more rigorous personalities than your professor, even. True, very true. Less language. Yeah, less language. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the thing here is really getting. It's about knowing yourself, knowing why you're here, and also making peace with that. Like, don't try to. I think what people, what happens to people is that they 
they don't know exactly why they're there. So then they try to be there for like several different reasons, but none of them fully committed. Mm-hmm. And then that also doesn't feel good. That is, that's not like a nice place to be. Exactly. Then you so feel like you're cool. wasting time. And that you're inadequate. And, yeah. and, and so these things and yeah, and just being, I think also making peace or embracing the creative element of this kind of program, both in how you're working and what you're working on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, there really is no secret except just, to just do stop waiting for there to be secrets stop wait like thinking about this and just jump into it and don't worry about being perfect and no you have infinite amount of time to edit that paper but it's better to have a rough rough draft of something than wait six months to start writing it the, the program really is that free you really have that much freedom this they're this not hiding simple. anything from you yeah there's and, and there's no instructions there are no instructions. There, you're not going to get the email that you think you're going to get or we're told you're going to get. You're just not. No. Certainly not from some professors. Yeah. You're still but waiting also, for that email. Y'all know who you are. Yeah. Y'all know who you are. You don't, yeah. This whole episode is a stone cold <laughs> call out. call out. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a loving call out. A loving call out. We do love you. And we know that it's con- confusing. Yeah. Because it's so different from yes. what we were taught in school and in North American style universities. Yes, all of the above. We're so used to this being not fun because we have these external pressures and we're being told what to write about that it's hard to believe it could actually, actually be this be fun. fun. Yeah, that's very well said. But it can. It can. And yeah. And there's no, there's, I think there's much more emphasis put on the process of doing it and like then enjoying the process of doing it rather than there being like this end game. I think that's a big difference too. There's not a grade. There's not like a I mean, technically the there's a grade, but I'm, yeah, there's a nominal grade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that therefore it is a lot more about the process of what you're doing and like the learning that you're taking on yourself through your research and your work rather than it just being about doing something for a performance kind of assessment or a title or some sort of kind of, yeah. Exactly. You get out of this exactly what you put into it. Precisely. And like, it's very easy to make excuses, but they're actually, we actually go to a very reputable university and there's much at our disposal if yeah. we want there to be. Yeah. I Let's not forget, like, this is yeah. extremely it's, prestigious. I know yeah, it's hard to believe when yeah, we're times, sitting in class. Like. Sometimes it is hard to believe, yeah. But it is. Like, around the world, it's a really well-known university. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the best in Berlin and one of the best in Germany and one of the best outside of the English-speaking world for what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I think that it's, it, it's, it's however you want to look at it, really. Uh, but there is no secret. That's one thing is for sure. So you heard it here first. You heard it here first. What if anyone? What if we abruptly stop getting this question because <laughs> listening to the podcast? Every time we get this question, we'll just say, "Ah, episode we direct seven. you. We direct you to episode seven of caffeinated, caffeinated and on a train." But you have to listen to all the other episodes first. Yeah, it's gonna be too overwhelming. You need to like be eased into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you need to sign up for our Patreon. Yes. For whatever level you choose, but we recommend a thousand euros a month. Yeah, if you if you're still not convinced that you can handle this, you can just enroll in Lorraine's course. Yeah, <laughs> the ten day thesis. <laughs> it's gonna be lots of fun, guys. It's gonna be all. It's gonna be live streamed. It's gonna be live streamed. Why not? <laughs> live streamed for the people paying two thousand euros a month. 
We're going to be so rich. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, you can either do this by listening to our advi- our free advice, or you can sign up for the, pro- the, the program. The so, difference is that if you sign up for the program, I'm there in the room with you, and I'm holding a writing The entire time. The entire time. All 10 days. You're not able to leave the room no. whatsoever. No. The windows are barred. The coffee is being trickled in through a pipe in the wall. If you if you refuse to drink coffee when Lorraine says, then you get hooked up to it like a coffee thing too. <laughs> uh, no, you can you can drink whatever amount of coffee you want, but if you're starting to get languid, I'm gonna I'm gonna Lorraine have to. Lorraine will be the judge of that. Lorraine will be the judge of that. And you you are changing your chairs. You are changing your chairs. That's yeah. That's a given. That yeah. goes without saying. All of Lorraine's courses. And the phone lines are cut. So don't even get any any ideas. <laughs> Do we have enough time to say what we've been reading? Yeah, yeah. Let's finish this this up with what we've been reading. The final segment of the podcast. Um, I'm, I've been reading, and I think it's very apropos to my transition into the DIPKI, the North American Studies program. I'm reading, you can't see that I'm holding the book now, but I'm reading Another Country by James Baldwin. And I'm on like the last, I think I have five pages left. Wow. To finish. And yeah, it's an amazing book. It's just insanely complex. I think he does such he's does such a good job of talking about these intersections of race and gender and class and sexuality. Um, in a way that first of all, he was he I think this book was written and I think it was published in the early sixties. Um, and also it's about it's about this group of friends living in New York City. And they're all dealing with various relational issues amongst the friend group and it's just such a good um it's just he does such an amazing job with the dialogue of connecting both like and in such an important way I think of not tokenizing these different kind of identity characteristics and just making these one-dimensional character characters but also making characters that are actively and uniquely grappling with their struggles and their navigation of these different um, factors, which I think is really special and really difficult to do and really well done, that these characters are, are dealing with these things based on the personalities that he's also constructed for them. And it's so, it's so nuanced. You, there's no, there's no like victim and no hero. There's no bad guy. It's all, all the characters are so deeply flawed. Even the ones that we're kind of historically expected to be on the side of kind of unfailingly as the underdog or the marginalized person they also do terrible things and it's just such a complicated book and I think it's such a testament to his level of empathy and kind of his deeper social vision of um, finding ways to kind of transcend cycles of violence towards um, like a sense of resolution and reconciliation between people in a very fractured country so I definitely recommend it it's really making me think a lot and um, yeah damn James Baldwin is a genius. I don't know if you've read anything by him, but... Only only small bits. Uh, yeah, Giovanni's Room is also really good by him. I, don't, I read that last summer. So yeah, very good. James Baldwin's amazing. And yeah, also, if you have Canopy, I'm just going to do a quick plug for The Babushkas of Chernobyl. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a documentary about old ladies who just live in Chernobyl. They never left... It's a wild ride. It's a very fun, fun documentary. Fun for the whole family, as fun they say. For the whole family. That's us in the future. Yeah, honestly. They, there's a lot of scenes of them. There's, there's basically like scenes of them just like partying it up. It's like in desolate Chernobyl. 
just drinking drinking vodka as babushkas do as and and having a great time and then cutting to like all these scientists just sharing concerned glances with <laughs> each other about <laughs> about the babushkas I'm, so you've sold me on this it's really i it's a joy it's one of the best things i've seen in a long time so, I, I will be watching this. Yeah, definitely check it out. Just get on that VPN, go to Canopy, type it in. Mm-hmm. For all you FU students, you get free Canopy access. Yeah, free Canopy. Yes. So that's all I have to say. I have also been reading a book um, by a socially visionary author about ethnicity and class and gender. Mm. I've been reading Children of the Ghetto by mm. Israel Tsangville for thesis writing purposes. Yeah, nice one. This is actually really good because, like, two weeks ago, I wasn't reading anything, and I was like, "Oh, if we if we record the podcast, what am I going to say? I won't have anything." I'm always thinking in those terms. Truly, truly. (laughs) Um, Israel Tanville is an author who has been called the Dickens of the Ghetto, which is just perfect. I I I love me some Dickens. Um, Never knew that. Yeah, yeah, I'm big fan of Great Expectations. Never read it. Uh, it's, I, I recommend it. Okay. I don't recommend David Copperfield. It is okay. too damn long. Great Expectations is very moderate, I feel. Okay. Um, I, I think Dickens gets a bit of an unfair rap as being just like a little bit staid and boring. Yeah. That's, I think, my... Mm-hmm. But he's actually not always like that. Sometimes he is. But I, I'm, I've really enjoyed what I've read from him. And um, to have... Another author with that similar sort of socially reformist Victorian sensibility. Mm, I see. But concerned with, um, specifically mm-hmm. with the Jewish community in London. I love how you're thinking about this already. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm not so far in. I'm five chapters in. So, you know, a, a decent bite. Um, but I, I really... I enjoy the writing style. I find it very uh, pleasing and accessible. And I'm also very much enjoying his um, sympathetic yet nuanced approach to what he portrays as really quite troubled communities, Um, but troubled not only in their poverty and external factors, but also with some some rifts within the communities. I think there's probably quite a bit of content overlap um, or thematic overlap between my reading and yours. That's so interesting. I would love to talk about that sometime. I would love that too, perhaps when I finish. Yes, 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 please. And I also, I think that there's so many interesting strands, even what you're saying, contextualizing this in in kind of relation to Dickens and the time period Mm -hmm. as well, which I think will be really cool for you to flesh out more. Yeah. And this kind of process of like how to construct your thesis and what what to say and how to build it up, build up your argument. so that's very cool. And my, my other question, though, is how did you find out about this book? Like, what was the process through which you came to this? Jay Storm Chill. Right on. It was um, one, of the, one of the things that I found in my Jay Storm Chilling was like a whole special issue of Victorian literature and culture dedicated to awesome. Victorian Jewish writing. Awesome. And there was an article in it on Israel Seinville with an intriguing title. Um, that's yeah classic that's how classic. Get you. I believe that was it was called how to write Yiddish in English mm. um, and the, the article was good and it also made me very intrigued by this author 
Yeah, awesome. And I mean, I don't know if this is going to be relevant to you, but I know that you also do have like not only this kind of narrative appropriation, but also like translation studies, I think is, is, yeah. is under your repertoire of kind of things that you've studied or are interested in. Mm-hmm. So as I don't know if I want to spoil this, but she's also teaching herself Yiddish <laughs> now. Yes. As one does. I've, I got a textbook. I'm working through it very slowly. I've got pages of translation. In. Right here, do you? I do. I do. Believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> we are in the presence of Yiddish translations uh. <laughs> in the <laughs> So I'm I'm only on the first no, I'm on the second lesson. Alright. Right. You have to start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And I've this is gonna be a bit of a digression and after this we'll wrap it up because right. you need to go to yoga. Right. Um but I have for a long time been struggling with German because I don't feel like I know what to learn in order to improve. Yeah. And so it feels really, really good for me to start at the beginning of the textbook with the very first lesson. And the very first lesson is already content I don't know. And I start with the first lesson and I do every single exercise. And then I do the second lesson and I do every single exercise. Yeah. It's the, the structure of that is making this learning process feel very rewarding for me. Mm, like very basic progression. Yeah. And not, not feeling, not feeling frustrated about doing work that I already know the answers to. Right. And yet not being then tempted to skip work. And then, yeah. And then losing. The foundation. Yeah. Yeah, That's great. That's really, really cool. And yeah, we definitely have to discuss this more and I'm sure we will as your thesis progresses and it'll be really cool to have this kind of documentation of the process. Yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. And that's the key again. As we've said, like the genuine interest and excitement. I think that's been a theme throughout this whole episode from you accidentally taking all your coursework to coming up with this thesis idea to staying motivated and uh, actualizing our goals. Like, yeah, it's, it kind of all comes down to that, I think. I think so too. And I so, think there are good things ahead for us because of it. I do as well. Um, I can't wait to see what they are. And you, dear listener, will be be there the whole way. <laughs> Whether you like it, it or not. not. The, the doors windows are locked. locked. <laughs> <laughs> Both of those. Both of them. Both of those. The lines, the phone lines are also bad. Yes. So don't try to, th- don't even think you can escape. And you're chained to your chair. So, and the whole thing's being live cam. <laughs> <laughs> Lily, I think live camming refers specifically to like sex shows. I know what I said. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, come on. On that note, note, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Okay, bye. (laughs) Bye.